Praise God. I know that's right. No matter how hard it gets. Thanks for calling home for me. We haven't finished yet. There's so much of life ahead. We've got so much to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hope for Maintenance. You're right. It feels good when we open the episode, talking about the episode. <laughs> My name is Lenaveny. My name is Sim. And Obio hates us, so he's not here today. He's left. He's in Colombia, living it up, you know. He has no service, so he couldn't join with us today, but that's okay because um, me and Sim go back like four flats. Yeah. When did we meet, Sim Before 2020. Before the world ended, I know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the world as we knew it. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's, wow, three years mm-hmm. in the, under the belt. Look I like us. that. I like mm-hmm. that. Real friends, day threes. Mm-hmm. 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 I like that. Um, we owe one another a sing-off. Lyrics in hand, I am ready. Oh, okay. Who is your artist? I feel like you should have to figure it out. So then will I have to sing based off your artist? Mm-mm. I can sing anybody. Mm-hmm. So what is how do how does a sing off come to an end? Mm, vibes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say when you guys suggested the artist last episode, I was like, okay, so we go until no one can think of. Oh, we should who... do it this way. We should mm-hmm. do it that way. Okay, we'll choose an artist. Okay, and we'll just sing him. Oh, because I know some things. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you told me it's a man, so here we go. So you're gonna guess it and then. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> a chair is still a chair. Girl, everybody knows who that is. Even when there's no one sitting there. Ooh. <clears throat> but a chair <laughs> is not a house. Okay. And a house is what? First of all, y'all came and the this these lyrics are wrong. Okay, but the point. That's it. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Let's see. There's one in particular. I'm gonna save it for my. I'm gonna save it for my um last ballot. Well, I <clears> hope so it's I not mine. All right. Okay, and that's how the game goes. All right. Okay, now I gotta think of another one. Mm. Wow. Oh my love. It was mine. Okay. But I like it. You keep on. A thousand kisses from you is never too much. Never too much. Never too much. Never too much. And I just don't want to stop. Oh my love. All right, you go. Now we can be real, real friends. I feel like our, our friendship oh. has taken a new oh. step because you got that. That rift. Yeah, but I mean, maybe it's because I'm from the South because that's a given. Mm, it might be. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. All right. You is, go. Is you go. from the South? I'm not going to act like I know the answer to that question. All right. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> if I could get Ooh. another chance, another. Hmm, Another dance with him. I take another that will never ever end. Oh, I love, love, love to dance with my father again. Lovely. I got one for you. Mm. 
Let me take you home to keep you safe and warm to the early dawn warms up to the sun it would be so nice if only for one night i think i messed up all those lyrics that's okay a bunch of different parts of the song that's okay i think they got it um no okay i had one i do but it's a it's a duet do it. It works. If this world Woo! were mine. You were what? I would give you. Mm, no, place at your feet. I would place at your feet. All that I own. Mm. It would be, yeah. Yeah, All I don't know if we I know need. the words. I think we know it. But we, we know don't it in know our it. hearts. And if it was playing, we, we, have we would be there. All right. This one, well, I think, is a super deep cut. And I don't know if you'll get it. But my daddy sang this to my mama one time when I was ooh. little. And my daddy can sing for I don't know where the ooh. talent went when he came down to me. But he can sing. <clears throat> he goes, uh, ooh. Don't you remember you told me you loved me, baby. You said you'd be coming back this way again. I don't. Yeah. Okay. But we, in our hearts. Uh-huh. In our hearts. Uh-huh. The sentiment was appreciated. Yeah. Well. The sing off, I don't know if it's for us, but we're we going to keep a, doing it. We had a strong start. Mm-hmm. And I think with a different artist and yeah. actual preparation, uh-huh. we may have a thing. Yeah, for sure. Maintenance check. Maintenance check. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. It's a big week. It's a big week for me. Um, I'm hosting my first event. <gasps> things to do in atlanta mm-hmm. and i just put out my first blog my first youtube so ooh, ooh, ooh. all of the things um i am tired mm-hmm. um as you saw in my hair yesterday <laughs> it was every time she called me it got more and more yeah, insane more strands were saying yeah hello. more things started my <laughs> ponytail just started giving up um speaking of ponytails all right what's crazy is for those of you who are watching and can see my struggle of a top knot, but you know, some things you got to just keep trying on. Not my friend seeing that I was bald and letting me live in life publicly. Subject crazy. Now, see, less and if you're going to put me out, Sim, I'm going to also have to put you out in this manner because one thing about you, Sim, is once you're over it, you're over it. Absolutely. Like you said, when I called you, more strands said hello as the day passed. <laughs> that be you sometimes. Things just be Not giving you up. Be bald. No, things just be giving up on you, and you be allowing them to give up. So Absolutely. by the end of the day, you don't care what you look like. Yeah, you head at home. Yeah. So when I saw you, I thought you were fully aware of everything you had going on, and I didn't want to remind you of something that was probably a sore spot. Which is fair because I also hate when I've already accepted something and somebody's like, "Hey, yeah, did you know?" Because mm-hmm. that would have been the end for me. Mm-hmm. But um, today I'm not as bald. Hello, some amen. things are growth. growing back. Growth, growth. literally, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, so that's good for me that um, I'm healing from a bald spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's big. But other than, <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, um. It's been a good week. My friends are leaving me. You're leaving me. I'm coming back tomorrow night. Fair. And then, but we still can't do lunch after. 
So, oh, yeah. No. So you are okay. leaving me. Okay. Um, and OBO's <laughs> left. So um, I'm just getting through being alone. Okay. Just very temporarily. That's okay. All right. Mm-hmm. What about you? I'm tired, but I think I'm tired because I've been releasing a lot. Mm. Like physically, mentally, um, creatively. <clears throat> and not just releasing as in getting ideas out, but literally handing them to someone else. Mm. Like really operating in my full potential. I think that's why I'm so exhausted today because today I was able to just be Lene. I ran some errands. I'm packing to go on my trip. Um, I went to a quick little appointment. And on the way from that appointment, I was able to make a call for the self-care brand, which guys, I have like all the samples of my prototypes and I'm really excited. They haven't been sent to me. I've seen photos. So as soon as I get them, I'm going to post them on the internet and I'm really excited. But I was able to call the creative director for the launch programming and just tell her what I wanted to do and she's going to action it out. I was able to get on a call about a show idea I've had and give it to someone else to think about creatively. I was able to get on a call about my four-year anniversary that's happening next year and give it to somebody else to think about creatively and yeah I'm tired but it's because I've been operating like at my highest potential that I really just haven't been able to um so I'm excited but I'm literally about to leave this podcast recording go get on the plane and go do a talk tomorrow in Columbus Ohio and come back home but I feel good Brenda I'm so proud of you because that's big yeah for you to let all of those things go and because it's so much trust that you have to have in other people mm. but look at that though mm. you were able to live your life today yeah the way that it should be mm-hmm. amen hallelujah mm. all right well what these niggas online talking about niggas online yeah yeah i'll see you now. now all right you know <laughs> betrayal um so this first topic just get ready to be uncomfortable. Because okay. when I saw it, I was like, this is why I don't go outside. This is why I don't have friends. This is okay. why I don't like nobody but my man. Okay. Um, so there was a couple conversations that went crazy on Twitter recently. Um, and I'm going to just read you okay. what where it starts. So the first post was um, that phase... Actually, this is a response. So there, it, it got even worse. But um, the phase where you start liking your girlfriend's friend is crazy. Oh. That was the first post. Wow. In response to that, someone went, the phase where you slowly start liking your friend's girlfriend is crazy. Okay. Then someone said the phase where you start liking your boyfriend's homeboy more than him is crazy Mm. now the issue with this isn't just that these (laughs) things existed Mm -hmm. it's that people were really responding like this is a real thing that i struggle with and people do and i can't even sit there and say that i haven't in a past (gasps) life i'm still friends with her to this day what which one of these did you i well it wasn't really her boyfriend but i started liking guy my friend was talking to yikes and he started liking me oh my god he started talking (laughs) i told her like before like as did y'all start talking while they were still talking no okay yeah i won't say anymore i just what they had going on was not a thing anymore Mm -hmm. i feel horrible rethinking about that time in my life and i feel like i texted her later in my adulthood i was like hey girl i'm really sorry about that i was an idiot because mm-hmm. it was over nothing but 
Yeah. Now that you say this, because okay. you know, I be saying things okay. with my full chest yeah. when I do the research, yeah. and then I be in the moment like, hold on, Sim. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. there was this one time. So we laugh at it now. Okay. So my best friend, mm-hmm. okay, my best friend from middle school. And me had a situation because I was dating this boy. Mm-hmm. And I just really wasn't into him for real. Mm-hmm. And he was a little chubby and whatever. And it just wasn't my thing. But mm-hmm. he was a sweet, sweet guy. So we were talking. And I think we were getting close to being boyfriend and girlfriend. And I was just like, Ugh, I just got to find a way to get out of this. Mm. Whatever. And so me and my best friend used to do everything together. So, of course, I would bring the guy around and, and they met, blah, blah. They started dating. Mm. Now, me and him just slowly, luckily fell off. I didn't know that the reason why we fell off is because he was dating my best friend. Mm. They end up being in a three, four-year relationship after this. This sounds like... This was an episode of Penny Proud, I think. (laughs) It was either the Parkers or the Proud family where Penny was dating a guy and she wouldn't really allow herself to like him because he wasn't physically appealing to her. Mm-hmm. This was on the Proud family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he started being all over, being the man of somebody else's dream. She was like, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But y'all think twice. And this also probably happened on the Parkers too, I think, with like um, Kim and somebody. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but the, th- the thing is, in that situation, because me and my, we've just always been so close. We were able to just have an honest conversation. She was like, yeah, girl, I didn't know how you was going to take it. And I'm like, yeah, I probably would have fought you. But mm-hmm. here we are. Oh. And then we laughed on about it. I ended up dating his friend. And then we moved on. Okay. So I guess this does happen. Yeah, it does happen. Yeah. Moving along. We could be on this all day. We were <laughs> moving along. <laughs> so the next thing on here um, is about Keith Lee. I don't know if you saw the video. But, um... Keith Lee recently dragged the shade room because they you said zero out of ten do not recommend. Um, because <laughs> he rates food. It was a joke. No. Yeah, right. I thought you were saying zero out of ten about the shade room do not recommend because I'm almost there. Oh, okay. because I don't like this. Okay. Yeah. Um. So with the shade room, it's run by a black woman, mm-hmm. specifically a Nigerian woman. So I've okay. always given grace and space to things that are posted, hoping that like she has some great intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, but he recently spoke out because he's like, you know, it's not like I need y'all to post me, but every time y'all do post me, it's only been like two times or three times, and it's been about me crying to try and like make some type of jokes or jabs at my sexuality because I'm like emotionally expressive. We're talking about the same Keith Lee that that has food. the wife. That has the wife. And the, but you know this is not weird for them to... They're always I've trying to... Who's gay? Who's gay? Yeah. That, what? Yeah. So that happened. Um, He said, you know, it's brought up things about, like, people questioning his sexuality. He's like, I don't care. Like, y'all could talk about whatever y'all want to talk about. But then, I guess, recently his wife gifted him with a car. Mm-hmm. And they talked about it in a way where it was like, hmm, where does she get this money from? Or is it, like, him using her money? her using his money to blah 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 and like made the thing. he's like all right y'all can talk about me all y'all want i really don't care but what but when you y'all not gonna do what you're not gonna do <laughs> what's not gonna go down is you talking about my wife period not my girlfriend not my chick not my home girl my wife my wife we're not doing it mm-hmm. so he got up there he dragged them it was a good drag too good. but he was also very transparent in the fact that he's like i've said before like 
I struggle with imposter syndrome. I struggle mm. with people getting gifts for me. And this was a nice moment for mm-hmm. me that y'all came and soiled. And that's not cool. And I really don't get it. Because at the end of the day, like, this is a man that's out here helping businesses. He gets businesses free marketing. Yeah. And then he also goes in and actually raises funds for businesses who are struggling. That's a good man, Savannah. He's a good man. Mm-hmm. So this is what the people had to say. And one thing about it, before you get into this, I thought you were going to say they had posted him before because somebody accused Keith Lee of stealing a show idea. And I know the shade room usually gravitates towards negative things. There's a bunch of controversy of it on on TikTok. So I thought that's what you were going to say. So to see that they missed that opportunity and just want to talk about him possibly being queer is really strange to me. But the way people came about Keith Lee over that lady who accused him of stealing was nuts. So I'm excited to see how they came for Keith Lee and his wife. The internet does not play about Keith Lee. They don't. They don't. I really wouldn't do too much if you want to keep your business. Yeah. They really are protecting that man at all costs. Mm-hmm. So um, the people are ready to just cancel Shade Room. Which. Okay. Are they? But. This on. is why I will say they are. <laughs> okay. It's because we thought the same thing of Worldstar. Mm. Worldstar hip hop used to be like a very big, big, big thing. Mm-hmm. A very go to a very mainstream network. And now it's like you barely hear about them. Mm-hmm. I think that platforms like this that thrive on negativity, especially as it relates to our community, eventually do fizzle out and die out as soon as the next big thing comes along. Mm-hmm. So, um, This is what the people said. The people said, I have no more words for the Shade Room because their downfall is inevitable. Mm -hmm. I just want to say that Keith Lee seems like a fantastic husband, father, and person. I never root for influencers, but I am honestly rooting for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then here's um, a little spice, spicy thing. I saw the top of this. Keith Lee speaking up against the Shade Room seems like an appropriate time to revisit this. Azalea mm-hmm. Banks been told y'all about the Shade Room. Now, mm-hmm. is it ever a pro- you Forget it. Let's just read. <laughs> because I what don't she want that type of smoke. She says, the Shade Room is run by a Nigerian woman who is more obsessed with G- denig- denigrating. De- denigrating. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Vocabulary. Because mm-hmm. I was like, degenerating. Okay denigrating black Americans than doing anything with her platform to bring light to the issue like SARS and Boko Haram that plague mm-hmm. her home country. Sure, blacks have issues here, but the situation in Nigeria is dire. She doesn't have the courage to fight for her own. Mm-hmm. She uses black American media to distract herself from how politically incapable she truly is. She is a useless pig. Why does anyone give a poop what her Mm-hmm. and that's where you yeah a little I'm bit just, of fat phobia okay um has to say about us um african americans are far fearing are far fearing far better and she wants to be one of us so bad it's comical i couldn't be of nigerian descent and ignore the fact that china is funding boko haram and other groups to terrorize nigeria and its citizens while i sit back in my gluttony gorging on poisonous american food supply while my people die on sacred land she is Ooh. a useless pig so what I will say to this, and the reason why I even decided to share this tweet in particular, is because there is an issue 
where we are creating platforms against our own narratives. Mm -hmm. I do not understand that. Um, At the end of the day, I I know that being African-American is one experience, being Caribbean-American is one experience, being um, African or Nigerian, um, particularly because African is such a broad term, Mm -hmm. Um, being Nigerian, Ghanaian, any of these things are specific experiences. But one thing that we have in common is our relation to the diaspora. And I think that we owe it to that. That mm-hmm. to at least be a little bit I, I get it raggedy things are happening in our community okay cool have a place for that but when wonderful things are happening in our community or when there are people in our community who are pillars of hope and of just great things like why try and be the place where we show them in any kind of negative light where is the space where we decide to then protect those people I was gonna say a few things and just kind of talk about ideology and context and nuance and all the things. And then I remember the name of this platform is The Shade Room. Okay. It was never meant to be positive. Now, has The Shade Room posted some positive things? Yes, which is what was about to lead me into that direction. But it's called The Shade Room. Um, that's what she intended. That's what she does. I think it's really interesting, though, because I think especially our audience of this podcast knows that shade is necessary. Quite a bit of the time. Mm-hmm. Quite a bit of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when shade is necessary, and shade is not always necessary, and it just feels like there are definitely very specific things we can focus on to bring attention to in our community that need to be rectified. But Heath and his family are not it. Yeah. Nothing have going, have going on is it. And I really didn't believe that the shade room was being posted on by one person because somebody in the shade room is posting every five seconds. They get something and they post every oh, five yeah, seconds. Oh, yeah, it's multiple people. Yeah, but um, it just seems like everybody has the idea. Let me find the messiest thing and just continue t- talking about the messiest thing. The amount of instant replays we've gotten on Krishan Rock and Blueface's relationship is nuts. And they keep showing mm-hmm. us that shit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit over it. I think, you know... There are just so many other ways, even with a name like The Shade Room, to amplify black creators that is just being missed here. So you're right. It may be time for it to go. It's a very large platform with a very large following. A lot of people are always going to want mess. Um, But they might find somewhere else to get it. You know, spiritual word is on the rise. (laughs) They got a lot of people looped in with the last... (laughs) With with what they're calling the brick incident. Um, Yeah, the spiritual word is on the come up. And as we move on... Okay. Please do not. You know what? Y'all, no, y'all I'm have y'all things. to go listen to them. Absolutely not. I'm just jokes, kicks, and giggles. But the truth is that that's where people are going to go to next if they're actually evacuating the shade room. Of all the places on the rise, I would rather niggas be broke okay to go on the rise before spiritual world. You don't know niggas be broke no. okay? Hilarious. Mm-hmm. But they're not a, they're a, yeah. I think I followed this page. Don't ask me why, but it's like hood clips or something. Hood vids. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They be having a good time over there. I do love them. (laughs) When I found them on threads, I was like, I found my people. Okay. Then it started getting intense. I was like, I don't think they It do get intense over there. But, um, but yeah, not too much. Yeah. Okay. Who's next? So, this is going to be real short. And this is more so me wanting to share this so we can, um, be done with it, address it, and move on because y'all are nasty. Um, Y'all obsessed with finding out whether or not people are gay is strange. It's really weird, especially in an atmosphere where we're trying to be so like supportive on one end and then on the other end. It, and it be people in the community like on some like, yeah, because I saw that. What's happening? Anyway, 
Lala, Milan, and Tyler P are having a baby. Okay. And congratulations. And that's where it should have ended. There's a bunch of speculation about his sexuality and um, whether or not this is something that they're doing for, you know, whatever, whatever. But this tweet that was put up was, all right, let's wrap this Lala Milan and Tyler P shit up by 12 p.m. It ain't the first or the last time y'all done seen some shit like such. And whether or not the speculations are true to me, it's like it's not going to be the last time. First of all, y'all gonna have cousins that bring they man into Thanksgiving and y'all brains is gonna go places of, well, maybe he's this and maybe he's that. Whatever. A dope content creator who has, you know, really like from the ground up built her brand and done her thing and created her life is having a baby. Congratulations. And we love it. I'm so sick of it. I just, much like whatever the shade room had to say about Keith Lee, what? Why are you spending energy? Like I get, even naturally, it's it's not a popular opinion to say, but as you said, naturally, due to the way our society has been conditioned, we're having to unlearn a lot, which means we go through immediate and almost instinctual processes to try to suss somebody out. But spending time on a platform to try to create noise about somebody possibly being gay or even to um, <clears throat> almost criminalize their emotion criminalize their emotions um into that being something that is only ever really displayed vulnerably if someone is feminine or if someone is gay i think it's really weird and i think it's a odd obsession and i would like for us to kind of get past that because i'm going to go back to keith lee for just a second because we didn't really talk about how open he is on the internet something everybody loves about keith lee is that he is so transparent he's god first he is family first. He is helping people first. And in that, and the reason why people trust his food, because he's transparent about the review. Mm -hmm. People will invite him and he'd be like, okay, I'm going to have to be 100% honest. But let that black man who loves his family and is going so hard for his, for his family, if you listen to his story, how they didn't have anything and how he was promising and manifesting things for his wife and like doing that for mm -hmm. her. Like this should not be a moment that you soil with speculations of whether or not he's gay or that you soil with speculations of how his family is spending his money. Like... Leave black men alone. Mm -hmm. And I think that bleeds very well into the conversation that we're going to have today. Like black men have to feel open and free and empowered and emboldened enough to be all of their complete selves mm -hmm. without being ostracized for it, without being put up on the Internet and made fun of for it. We really got to stop that. Like, and this is why I keep saying, I don't think a lot of black people want black people to be free. You don't. No. And it's beyond a crab and a barrel mentality. Like you don't <laughs> want black people to be free to express. You don't want black people to be mentally free. And as many as the hotel's talking about being enslaved in your minds, there are so many ways in which we do that to one another. Absolutely. That we really have to stop doing. Let black men be free. That's all I have to say about that. But I don't know who Tyler P is. And also... So what if they did? What if they like came together and did it on purpose? Didn't Kaylani have a baby with a partner Absolutely. who's also queer? And they yeah. decided, let's go, let's make this baby. People mm -hmm. are doing what they want to do now. And also both of them probably got more money to make stuff like this happen. Like stay out these people's pockets. Correct. Let them do what they want to do. And, and then, I can say it's none of our business, but I like we're on a podcast talking mm -hmm. about people's business. It is what it is. I just think we have to really change our mindset around what's our business. I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. We won't. And how we engage. How we engage is the, the importance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I don't see us being not 
you know, on it anymore. But I just think that how we go about it is is crucial because at the end of the day, we're already creating a world where we're saying, hey, here go some safe spaces to be queer. Here go some safe spaces to be questioning. Here go some safe spaces to not know where you fill in a box or check a check to just be out here and figuring it out. But at the same time, we're going to be the same people that are like, oh, I, I don't know. For what? And like, what happens to you when you do that in a room and you're the only person who cares? You're lame. And in the words of a great man. We're going to say it every time. You're whack. And y'all don't feel lame? You're whack. Not even a little bit? Um, but the reason why I said I think this bleeds well into our topic, because our big kahuna for the day is addressing the conversation that happened in an interview with Apple Music's Ebro Darden. If you've never heard of that man, he's a very successful music journalist and he has a huge platform. But um, there was an interview with him and Rick Ross and Meek Mill was there. And Meek Mill opened up about how his substance abuse had impacted his health. Mm-hmm. He explained that he was using lean. He explained that he had been heavily drinking lean while he was on tour that year. And when he came home, he attempted to switch it from lean to alcohol. I don't know what it is about like tours and lean. You know, like traveling in lean, you just kind of always see it in that environment. I know nothing about it, so I'm not going to make it up. I just think it's interesting that he even cited when I got home, I tried to make a switch to just alcohol. Um, But of course, after partying a lot, his stomach began to give him a lot of issues. And he also weighed only about 170 pounds. Wow. so Rick Ross also explained that because of the di- dynamic he had with Meek Mill, he wanted to get involved to help him get past those issues. And Rick Ross himself had been open about his own struggles with substance abuse in his memoir, which I think you guys should read. I'm going to give you a little bit of the points that he was talking about in his memoir. But he dealt with the repercussions of it. And the conversation around drugs was a small part of that interview. But the way these two men were talking about it was super revolutionary. And so we can make fun of and hee hee when Rick Ross is oxen get out the gate in his in his <laughs> compound in Georgia. We can kiki about, um, is that a world tour or your girl's tour? Um, and just other things like, what he, what did Meek say most recently? Free Tory Lanes. And I think this is what makes nuance so important because we can hold people accountable for harmful things that they do or silly things that they do because Rick Ross's ox, was it an ox that got free? I think it was. Um... It was like a cow or a bull. It was one of those cattle, like animals. <laughs> um we can hold people accountable for those things, but also really show the value in things that they're doing that are healthy for our community. So Rick Ross released his memoir in 2019. It's called Hurricanes. Mm. And he said his drug use led to a series of seizures. Mm. He was addicted to codeine and other rec- recreational drugs. One seizure in particular, hold on to your horses. One seizure in particular that made him take things more seriously, made him foam at the mouth and defecate in bed while he was with a woman. Oh, my goodness. But this did not make him seek medical attention yet. He didn't start to seek medical attention until he started coughing up blood in a shower. Oh. So it got really, really serious, which we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. Um, but it's to the point now where he has to take medicine twice a day because of his substance abuse back then. And I'm sure you guys have seen images of Rick Ross. He looks far slimmer and more like just like he has embraced a healthier lifestyle than he did when he first i only say when he first popped because i realized that i don't really know when music first pops can i tell you a secret oh what i thought the migos breakout hit 
was bad and bougie. Continue, please. Continue the show because that's really bougie. And I had heard that music before. I just didn't know it was them. Moving along. Anyways, <laughs> but like when he was talking about Maybach music and Chrisette Michelle was in the car, from that era to this era, there's been a market difference in his appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, and beyond having like Rick Ross in his corner, Meek Mill was talking about how much he relies on the friends around him to make sure he stays on the right track. And back to the point about Rick Ross waiting or having that episode in bed. And then having those experiences in the shower, those were really what made him go to the doctor. But there were obviously signs prior to that. And it's so uncommon to see black men with status and money holding each other accountable in any way, much less them exhibiting the steps that it takes to stay healthy and to be honest with oneself about being healthy. Because there's a lot of ego there. We can talk about a lot of the reasons a little bit later, but I just thought this was such a great topic for us to discuss today, Um, especially in terms of the rap industry you know yeah Yeah. so a couple things came to mind um when reading this and one of the first things is music is therapy Mm -hmm. and i think that we forget that when we're engaging in something um like for example, so Drake just dropped his album recently. I was listening to it. I am a fan. It is what it is. You're I'm a sorry. fan? I actually am un-a fan. That's crazy. From the things that I've heard when I actually listen to the lyrics in this album. Yeah. We'll talk. I hear you. And I receive that. We'll talk. Cool. But there's a lot of things. Like, there was this one track that he had where he said, like, um, maybe things would be different if I was man enough to say them to you and not put them in a song for the world Mm -hmm. to sing along. So it's like moments like that, we have to remember that even rappers like this who are speaking about Codeine, who are speaking about Lean and all these things in their songs, you know, these things are, one, happening in real time, and these things are also highs and lows. Um, But I appreciate that these men were able to come on a public platform and have the conversation uh, about learning in real time, you know? This... This was a thing that I did, but here's the the reality yeah. and the other side to what it looks like. And yeah. that's some deep, like, that's something that I'm not going to lie. If that was me, would y'all ever find out about it? No, I'm Probably taking it to the not. grave. And that's what I'm saying. It was such a vulnerable thing to share. Correct. But, like, these are the realities of living that lifestyle. Like, mm-hmm. I am someone that you might have idolized for this. Stop it. <laughs> Unless you want to end up like me. Yeah. Very seriously. And not even joking about it. We've lost so many names in rap to drug use i think one of the most prolific ones is dmx mm-hmm. we had mac miller we had old dirty bastard pimp c gangsta boo we didn't lose eminem but like these people's careers were adversely affected by their drug use and i think it's something to be said the type of creative physical and emotional toll being in the limelight can be mm-hmm. for black men mm-hmm. um that contributes to poor health habits that contributes to drug use um we see so many times that some of the greats have some of the greats have dealt with drug addiction and it's because they're being pulled on and and they're trying to be something for everybody and i can't imagine in this rap industry where it's not just the music you're making the music you're making is a direct reflection of the lifestyle that you're living of the people that Mm -hmm. you have around you Mm -hmm. so i think it's also impactful that meek mill says the people who surround me are also important in this moment Mm -hmm. i just can't get on my good shit and hope to bring my homies on like no 
I have to, I can't be the smartest person in the room. And that phrase doesn't mean I can't be the person who's most knowledgeable, knowledgeable about being healthy. I can't be the person who cares most about my health. Smartest person in the room refers to different skills, different assets, different ways of thought. And like, you need to have someone who is more advanced or evolved or dedicated in a field than you for you to be able to glean from that Mm -hmm. and to be motivated, to keep being motivated, to push forward. You know, and this is an assumption of mine, um, because when you speak about black men um, dealing with this as a unique problem, it makes me think about Keith Lee, right? And the fact that he's just like, he's very open about so many things, Mm -hmm. like just being transparent about this may be hard for me. I don't like this. I'm not standing for this. I don't, you know, Um, and how stifled I think a lot of black men are. And it it just opens the questions of what are you stifled with? Are you Mm -hmm. stifled with anxiety? Are you stifled with depression? Are you nervous about when you have to go on stage? Um, Do you feel a different kind of anxiety when you're walking into the room with people that you maybe once admired as like idols and now you have to work with them feeling like like what kind of pressures are built up into you where you feel like now I have to take this intense uh, a participation of drug use mm-hmm. because it's one thing to like okay when I was in college I, I did some lean mm-hmm. okay? okay and worst decision of my life you feel insane mm. what is isn't it like cough syrup yes I be no shade and I just thought of this was going to homecoming in a couple of weeks. But I be feeling like Q oil is just a couple steps away. All of the jungle <laughs> juice, the Q oil, the mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. is very close to it. Also, if anyone in college is listening to this, my freshman year, they told me don't drink the jungle juice. Mm. I went. You drank the jungle. I would drink okay. the jungle juice immediately, <laughs> and then I started dating an alpha, and I found out what was in the jungle Ooh. juice. Please don't drink the jungle juice. Okay. I'm just sorry. Like, okay. there's just some people are responsible, some people are not. Mm-hmm. And when you say it's a step away, it's really not a joke. A lot of that mm-hmm. stuff, depending on what campus you're on, could be a step away. Because some things I can taste the Robitussin. <laughs> is that what the purple is? Somebody tell me. <laughs> Anyways. So, um,. I felt crazy. You know, I felt literally insane. I had no control over myself. But there were people that I was around who would drink it like crazy. Like, they were addicted to mm. it, you know? That's so interesting. Because what it when your substance abuse is a space of, it's not that I'm trying to get high again or get lit again. This has now become my new normal. Mm. Mm-hmm. So now this is where I exist. It's not, it's about when I'm not this, I feel even worse. I feel sick. So this is how like even alcoholism, people who are drinking alcohol regularly, mm-hmm. it's not because I'm trying to get drunk again. It's because I literally feel like I'm about to throw up and pass out and all of these things when I'm not drunk. Mm-hmm. So um, I wonder, you know, what we can even be doing in our communities or just in relationship with the people that we have, that we're close with. What can we be doing to say release that? Like don't mm-hmm. like don't keep all of that into the point that you're using um these really extreme methods to cope with it. And I find it so interesting because some of them don't even find themselves on the path because a lot of people are inducted into this game or become a part of this culture and just like adopt the behaviors of the people around them. Absolutely. So they come in just drinking for sport and Absolutely. for fun or not even drinking alcohol, but like drinkingly and jestingly doing whatever just for fun. Mm-hmm. And then they, because they've already had this new normal, as you were just talking about, when things start to bear down on them, then it gets worse. Yeah. And some of them are even met with the, with the creative, with a threat of a creative block 
Mm-hmm. Because there is the idea, and some people have proven that when you're on substances, you are able to unlock more creatively. And so some people feel like they can't write without it. I do believe it was Lil Wayne. I heard talking about this. Like he was giving his first cup of lean when he was 13. Mm. And Lil Wayne, even his... um. His little signature, what is it called? Like a not a DJ tag, but like when rappers come on, it's a beat live, you yeah, know, yeah, little, his tag or whatever. Um, it's like a you're lighting a lighting a blunt, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so he he's known for being one of the biggest lyricists of our time, and he's written so many things high, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of artists come to the table like, well, I don't know if I can do this without this, or now that this is my new normal and I'm having a blunt, I have to drink more to get to a d- deeper place. Or if I'm being, if I am depressed now, I have to drink more to get to a deeper place in this high to numb it all. And we're causing so much damage to ourselves. And I'll even take it a step further from that. I think a lot of times when you do hear about people who are great, who are always intoxicated when they're mm-hmm. in a booth, you think that now, okay. So for example, Jocelyn mm-hmm. Hernandez, I don't know if you ever saw that video. It's really disturbing. Mm-mm. She was in a rap session and she was so intoxicated mm-hmm. and she's like sweating. She's looking like it's, it's something that I know that she probably would look at and be like, Ugh, like, damn, I don't, don't feel good that. about that. You're correct. Mm -hmm. But it was um, a video that went viral and it it speaks to the fact that a lot of people think that, okay, well, if Wayne is on, you know, lean and he's smoking and he's doing all these things, if I do the same, this is what's going to come out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. There's so much more. (laughs) (laughs) Some things are just talent, folks. (laughs) There's more. It's just that little Wayne happens to do drugs. Mm -hmm. It is not that the drugs are now facilitating this superhuman with this incredible talent. Mm -hmm. It's just that he has happened to make this choice. And it's not funny, but it's just like, you know for the people listening for the listening to um the interview i think one of their points in doing this was like we are talented people regardless Mm -hmm. because we've still been able to make music while combating this thing because i believe this is something that rick ross has said that he's now like overcome correct Mm -hmm. and he's still able to do amazing things he has oxen and I think he's running for something in Fayetteville. Mayor or something. And good for you, <laughs> Rickstopher Ross. That is such a stand-up thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Move down here to Fayetteville, Georgia, and you care about that place. Mm-hmm. And you want to be the mayor. And I believe he can do it. Absolutely. How fun. <laughs> so it just shows, like... um, you don't need to mm. be on that level of extreme. And, and also it, it comes to the culture of like rap star, rock star life, mm. you know, and thinking that in order for me to get the fans, have the experience, I need, I have to be intoxicated. Yeah. And that just also being a part of party culture, you know, having the favors for the girls you want around, for the mm-hmm. other, for the other guys you want to be around. Um, yeah. I've met. Go ahead, no, I've just seen a little bit of that in my time, you know, on my way to fame, I guess. You ain't never going to catch me. <laughs> it's not, and not you're going to catch me as in I'm going to do it in secret. I'm not doing it. I don't have it's any not, desire to yeah. be walking around like that. I don't. I do want to do shrooms. I feel like I've talked about that. I found somebody to take me on a trip. We'll talk. We'll talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was giggling in my spirit mm-hmm. because I remember the time that we were at Rocksteady and we had that whole table and we oh, had all yeah. those bottles. Yeah. And we recognized <laughs> in that moment, wow, <laughs> 
this is not it. So much liquor. We was like, y'all want some drink? <laughs> who wants some? Y'all want some? Tapping girls who are trying to be like, uh, no. Oh, I thought you, you going to pay for that drink? Cool. Got it. Now we have liquor just to have. Somebody Correct. has to take it. And we understood in that moment that it was a full job that mm. these men take on. And that's why when you be at the clubs, the boys be like, oh, yeah, yeah, come to my table, blah, 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 blah. No one can drink all of the alcohol that it takes to get a table. Mm-mm. Nobody. Not even if it's a 10-person section, they're going to give you 20, 20 people worth of alcohol. Yeah. It don't line up. And imagine being a celebrity. So all of the people who are like, oh, yeah, here go a shot, here go a bottle on me, blah, blah, blah. It's crazy. No thanks. Um, so something very interesting. We see that the drug problem in hip-hop is treated as a crime instead of a health issue. For example, rappers often glorify the drug use or they encourage younger generations to aspire to recreational drug use in their lyrics. Um, and the thing is, like, we can talk about drugs being a crime, but we never want to talk about how the drugs got there. Mm. And what communities they were pushed on mm. and what communities use them equally, just discreetly mm-hmm. and show up to board meetings with red noses, um, mm. have time blocked out on their schedules, made by the, their assistants so they can go to the bathroom and or whatever. We're not going to talk too much about that, but it's literally a public health issue. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And black men already have a history with healthcare that create, makes this to be a larger problem because Drug use only exacerbates prior health conditions. Mm, mm-hmm. And black men don't like to go to the doctor for real. And that's that you should have said that louder with your chest because that's the big black issue. Black men don't like to go to the doctor for real and I don't get it. Mm-hmm. My man don't like to go to the doctor so much that when I got home from, I think it was Toronto with my friends. <laughs> this man, he has fabric scissors because he, you know, cuts his clothes sometimes mm-hmm. And he was closing the scissors, all but sliced his finger off. And I freak out in my brain. But I'm like, oh, he don't want to go to the doctor. So let me go try and find one I got. And he's like, no, we need to go to the emergency room because the the Band-Aid will not fix this. Um, And I was just, I was all the more anxious. And I was not there. Yeah, I'm all the more anxious. Like, oh, he wants to go to the doctor. It must be horrible. And like, why is horrible the barometer for going to get... Because they don't want to go. They don't think it's necessary. It also comes, it's also a part of the fact that we don't give black men the space to be mm-hmm. like, you're not okay. Mm-hmm. We, since they're young, you good, you good, you good. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not a big, wash that off, wipe that off. Blah, blah, blah. So they grow up, and why would you need to go to a doctor? The Pew Research Center <laughs> did a study last year that explores why black people, gener- black people first, generally have less favorable health. Fa- Ooh. Lips, do you want to work today? Explores why black people generally have less favorable health outcomes compared to white people. And some of the reasons they found include that 51% of people studied believe that this was in part because we often have pre-existing health issues whenever we do finally visit a doctor, like we just said. 49% believe that it's because we aren't given the most advanced care when we seek it. 47% says that Medical professionals don't prioritize us in healthcare settings. 56 says um, we've had at least one negative experience with a doctor, such as having to speak up to get proper care, having their pain ignored, being rushed by a medical, medical professional, or being a victim of fat phobia. All mm. nuts. And black men often don't even attempt to go to the doctor in the first place. 
They even experience things. The American Heart Association reports that the social norm of masculinity and ideas like walking it off, hello somebody, are also a factor in black men's health. Black men are less likely to get preventative screenings, seek timely medical care, or be vaccinated for things like COVID or the flu. Black men have higher reported levels of mistrust for medical professionals, which keeps them from regular doctor visits as well. And I'm saying these things with emphasis, not to shame, but to talk about the seriousness and the pervasiveness of these things in our communities. Because when you think about it, black women know more about their own health care and their men's health care. Yeah, because you have to. Because we have to. We have to know signs for our partners to be like, if you complain to me about something, okay, well, maybe you should get checked out about this. You know, like, it's it's an epidemic. So, two things. Okay. One, it reminds me of um, when you're speaking, when you were speaking about Rick and the fact that, like, he had that entire episode in front of a woman. Mm-hmm. And he was like, mm, all right. Cool. And it wasn't until he began to cough up blood. But that was it. That was an issue there in itself. Not even just because the woman was there, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that could have been his girl, and that whatever. But it's the fact that like your body is telling you something is wrong. Mm-hmm. But you like, ah, all right. I probably need to just drink some water and ease up. And then it reminds me of something like even when my man, when we first started dating, and we laugh about it now, but it was like a thing then. When we first started dating, O used to have like this thing, like it was like a growth, like right at the back of his head. Mm -hmm. And I never brought it up because I thought he was born. (laughs) I thought he was born like that. And I thought it was. I'm not laughing at him. Let's make it clear. I'm not laughing. I'm laughing at you. And I'm also laughing how we had the same experience about something. My ball spot that was in the same spot. In the same spot. Look at that growth. Mm -hmm. Full circle moments. (laughs) Love that for us. But yeah, so he had this thing in the back of his head. And it wasn't like insane, but it was like very noticeable. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm. By by the time (laughs) I noticed it for real, I'm not going to lie. I had already fell in love with the man. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well. I'm dating a man and he has a thing in the back of his head. Mm -hmm. And if any of y'all say anything about it, it will be me and y'all on the floor. Like, that's just what it is. Mm -hmm. So, one day his mom came to visit and was like, (laughs) what the hell is that at the back of your head? (laughs) And I was like, oh, (laughs) thank God. (laughs) It's fixable. (laughs) Okay, what do we do? And so we ended up, he ended up having a surgery and having it removed. And now he has a normal head. And Mm -hmm. I look at his head all the time. I'm like, yes. My baby's head. But when I asked him, babe, what was you, like, when did you get this thing on the back of your head? He was like, I don't know. It just formed one day. And we were just going to let it form? But here's where it gets worse. Here's where it gets worse. Not only did this thing just form Mm -hmm. and he never got it taken care of until finally I was like, nah, you you got to go to a doctor now Mm -hmm. and get that removed. His mother then expresses, oh, yeah, this runs in our family. I used to have one. And it's just... (laughs) And it's just for me, you know, it's not only that black men are not taking their health seriously, but like you said, it, it's, it's as a family unit. Mm-hmm. We're not having conversations about, hey, just so you know, our our family members usually run into this. So if you should also run into this, here are some ways that you can take care of it, mm-hmm. whether it is high blood pressure, diabetes, whether it is something like that, like a growth or, or whatever. Um, we're not having conversations. I don't know what that's about. I don't, it's the walking off. You'll be all right. Don't, you not sick. 
you don't hurt. It's like all these really, really weird masculine ideals that don't allow people to have health problems. Like it sounds crazy, but it's directly connected to that. Walk it off. Because also, and I mean, you think about this full circle, not full circle but <laughs> to, to, think, to think about this cyclically, yes, it may start with a problem. Mm. The walk it off can come from a father that doesn't want you to be sensitive, a father that doesn't want you to be feminine in any kind of way. The walk it off can also come from an individual who doesn't have time to take off a of work for this problem. Mm. The walk it off can come from somebody that doesn't have access to insurance because they don't have jobs mm. that allow them to have benefits. Mm. So yes, this, this is a part of it, but I do think we can't, we can't, we can't make space anymore for the rhetoric to be an excuse for it, Correct. to enable the problem. Mm-hmm. because we can want to be healthy. I mm-hmm. think we have to really sh- shift our paradigm because we should want to be healthy. Do you watch se- Sex Education? It's a little bit of I a did. tangent. Did mm-hmm. you watch this new season? No. It's really good. The last season got a little wonky for me, but I do enjoy the show because while it deals with teens who are obviously adults acting as teens, <laughs> it does allow for a lot of really awkward situations to prompt conversations that need to be had. And I think what the show does so beautifully is master the concept of showing that awkward situations can lead to amazing results if you just let them be what they are. Mm-hmm. And so in this most recent season, and it's a black boy that they do this with, he's having an experience with a girl. First things first, she puts her finger... She locates his G spot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Go he ahead. wants to talk about how, like, that was weird, but he liked it. And then someone said, you know, maybe you should look for an enthusiastic yes with your partner instead of an absent no on both sides mm-hmm. because she mm-hmm. just kind of did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that language as well. But then when he goes back to have that conversation with her, it leads him to kind of want to get to know her. She's like, yeah, no, I don't really want to do that. But I will let you know that I did feel a lump in your ball and it might be nothing but you check that out and i never even considered like as a female partner so that's why okay i have questions i'll google okay what (laughs) but just as exams i never understood why that had to be like i didn't understand that that was the connection i feel like obio when he's trying to understand like the female anatomy yeah here i am now like yeah hmm. yeah so i just never even considered as a sexual partner period the fact that I could feel something like that, like how to engage a conversation like that. But the girl said it so matter of factly, which I think was also intentional because she didn't really, she just wanted it to be casual, Mm -hmm. but she knew it was important for his health. And so she communicated, Hey, here's this thing that's going on with you. And I think a lot of people are ashamed and like me, myself, you know, maybe nervous to bring up something that might be a sensitive thing, you know, the bald spot. Um, But we have to be open. We have to also model like that, like mm-hmm. in a an equitable desire for health all around. So well, that was really cool. But I definitely yeah. wanted to bring up that piece about how going to the doctor for a lot of black people isn't always an issue because it means a stop and pay. Um, and sometimes it's not even accessible. So that's that on that. And we yeah. don't even give ourselves grace to um, not be okay because slavery. But that's another uh, conversation for another day. Oh my God, that was the that was a brief history on <laughs> black men in healthcare. But I also want to talk a little bit about how drugs became so ubiquitous in rap. Um, and ubiquitous means like hand in hand, just for context. Um, if you think about the environment rap and hip hop was born out of, it's not hard to see how drugs became a part of the industry. Number one, we have a couple of cities here where rap was born in like 
hot spots. And so you have New York, you have Atlanta, Miami, LA, Chicago, even places like Philly and all these places like, yes, have their stardom, but also are home to urban areas that are impacted by poverty. Mm. So those things kind of go hand in hand. It's also important to note that it's not an arbitrary thing. Black rappers picked up only for clout. It was something that was permeating through neighborhoods and becoming a regular and often traumatic part of life. And the rise of the rap industry came in the 80s and it grew side by side with the war on drugs. And this meant that inner city rappers were writing raps while watching their community, sometimes their moms, dads, siblings, friends, all fall victim to addiction. And I think about shows like Snowfall and I'm really grateful that they exist to even put a cinematic lens on something like that happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talked earlier in this episode about how rappers are writing things about what their lives look like and drugs were creating these environments if you think about it. They go hand in hand. Um, But of course, the government and media saw drugs as more of an aspect of criminality, more than an act of survival. And even after they refused to put any addiction help resources in these neighborhoods, they profited grossly off of the higher rates of arrest they got from these Mm hotspots. So although mainstream media has constantly painted rap in this industry, um, rap as this industry, rather, that glorifies drugs only to look cool, And that might be the case in some cases, the origins of the industry. You can see these people were just rapping about their real lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Nipsey Hussle did an interview um, where he spoke about when he was in a certain environment, that's what he rapped about. But when he escaped that environment, that's when he began to rap about different things. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I couldn't rap about the stocks and the investments and the houses and the money and the things because I didn't have that. So I had to rap about what was true to me in that season. And what you notice is a lot of rappers who elevate to a new level and continue to rap about the same old things. It doesn't connect with their audience the same because it's no longer what they're living or experiencing. No, I was just going to say <laughs> the only rapper that I know that reached a certain level that was still being about what they was talking about. Young Thug. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why it continued to connect. Yeah. It connected too much. Yeah. But. I was. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That was so, that was so crazy. I didn't think I'd see that in my lifetime, but. I'm, I'm so upset about that. Anyway. Yeah. Another day. Um, But it also brings me to someone who is super successful that we brought up earlier, who doesn't rap about any of that because that's not his lifestyle. He don't know nothing about that. Mm-hmm. Aubrey, Drake Graham. He literally in his new album says something like, oh, y'all scared of little Drake, little Aubrey. But he he will let you know real quick in every single song that his friends will pull up. Yeah, his friends. They owe him favors. His friends. Then they will do it for free. But he will let you know his friends. Absolutely. When he infiltrated the rap community. Because I'll say it time and time again, the Torontoans say he's a poser. Mm. Yeah. But he don't know nothing about that lifestyle. That's not him. But he be saying that's not him Mm. all the time. He Mm. says it for you. Mm -hmm. But when y'all robbed my man that one time, he was never going to let it happen again. Yes. They robbed him? Oh, physically robbed him. They physically robbed Um, him. That's what happened. And he said, bet. I'm over it. So, and I'm just bringing that up on a serious note to say that um, this is, it makes sense that this is a big part of rap that drugs are a big part of rap because 
do you know how many black men are denied jobs just because of how they look like mm-hmm. not and i'm not talking about how they look in terms of their clothes or whatever but their mere presence intimidates a lot of their potential employers and so instead of it being like let me give you a fair shot it's like i don't even want to be in an environment with this type of person i'm going to give it to someone that i will feel more comfortable working with um also someone that i will feel more comfortable dominating or feeling like i can so there's a lot of black men in inner cities that turn to selling drugs and also turn to rap to to make some real money outside of what they're able to make if they stay with the jobs that will hire them. Mm-hmm. So um, it all goes hand in hand in one big story. Mm-hmm. Um, the same type of drive that you have to be to be a rapper. Mm-hmm. You learn a lot from, okay. That's that's another topic from another day. But it okay. just there's a lot that goes hand in hand. I mean, I'm glad all. you brought that up because we're talking about of course, there's a, a lot of negative sides to anything, but rap gets such this bad rap that wasn't that wasn't an intentional <laughs> fun, but <laughs> but what we also gotta remember is that that be folks way out. Yeah. That be folks way up mm-hmm. and away. And it's interesting that they do something that allows them to get up and away and they take everything that they started with with them. Um, and it's not always healthy. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to at least shed light on that because like people aren't just doing rap because it's a thing to do. Like black people have few ways to, how do I want to say this? There are very few avenues for black people to attain generations worth of wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Period. Like, if you think about it, yes, we most likely make money for being entertainers, but that is one of the only ways we can amass wealth that our generations before us were denied. And I'm not saying everybody's thinking that strategically or anybody's thinking that seriously about it, but you got people whose family has net worth that are the same amount of what Beyonce's is, and that's because they had slaves. You know, and they've been working on this for a long time. And so it's not even necessarily that it's a get rich quick scheme for everybody, but it's an opportunity for us to actually get on some type of level playing field in that way. Mm-hmm. My chest. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of great characteristics, though. The beats be fire. The lyrics be lyrican. The lyrics also be talking about jocking the bitches and slapping hoes. It hurts that that was an actual yeah. lyric. Yeah. Um, so Mark White on the Twitter said, maybe, just maybe, making music constantly talking about killing your fellow citizens isn't good for society. Bro handled out a couple book bags and they're supposed to forget they've been rapping about killing since he was 16. Goodness gracious, I say. Somebody responded and said, you think they're killing each other because of catchy tunes or are they simply making music? It's not funny, Sim. Or they're simply making music that reflects the reality around them and literally like everybody else. And so, I don't know. Dreaded do-rag guy <laughs> said a word. He did. Because I'm I'm not going to hold you. Like, when you live in Twitter land too long, people can make anything sound like it makes sense. Yeah. Maybe just making music constantly, talking about killing your fellow citizens isn't good for society, lol. That's very cute, baby. When you're living in the suburbs, when you don't have an experience of what it is to be outside of your comfort zone. Great. Wonderful. Like, y'all really, y'all really. 
Mark White responded and said, no one else makes music about killing people over drugs and or snitching or whatever else. No music genre talks about tearing women down. Not saying this because, not saying this because, what? Not saying this causes it, but it can't just be overlooked when every single person in rap is telling you to kill. I don't think every single person in rap is telling us to kill, but also like, yes, this part of rap exists, but there's a whole nother side to it. There's a whole nother side to it. It is an art form within itself. I think there definitely has to be work. I mean, like we keep saying, it all works together. It's all in the same pot. Like if we can, if we can eradicate poverty, if we can give people resources instead of the police, it might be a lot less people talking about killing people. You know, these Christian rappers are making to come up. <laughs> but also other folks, like there are so many different things that you can talk. People are talking about their life. People are talking about their emotions. They're talking about their journeys that they've been through. Some of my favorite rappers today or of course chance but like toby and i don't think i did his last name right um what's that boy name <clears throat> kyle gonna kill me what's that boy name uh j cole <laughs> chill 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 just wouldn't come to me kendrick lamar and these are some of the top rappers like the mm -hmm. most talented rappers andre 3000 and big boy mm -hmm. they was not rapping about shooting people killing people over drugs absolutely not but they go down in history as some absolutely. of the greatest people to do it but it's also like what what first of all I take my face back about the Christian rap because the Christian rappers are going up like there have They're been doing some the hits. thing there have been some things that slapped um okay mm -hmm. <laughs> um no one else makes music about killing people it's like why do y'all always try to find a way to make us at the center of what is wrong with the world as if okay I get it there's music about just negative violence whatever but there are also other music cultures that may not talk about negative things or derogative things but it exists and not even just music cultures cultures period like we can do a whole thing about the fashion industry if you would like but we don't need to it's just like this is not the the, the rap song about jocking the what's and slapping the hoes is not the thing that is like if we eliminate that the world gets great I just also feel like if other people made music that reflected their reality for real, <laughs> they'd be telling on themselves kind of like you can't sit there and say things like I sent the police. Yeah, I sent the FBI to spy on. Well, no, it would be I sent the FBI <laughs> <laughs> to spy on the Black Panthers and we killed them motherfuckers because we don't like Ooh. the in words. Okay, like, that's we better. be telling on. Yeah, I thought you was gonna go there. I was gonna say, <laughs> I wasn't. girl, I wasn't. <laughs> but like y'all will be telling on yourselves. That's why you're not doing it. So just yeah. because y'all music don't reflect it on me, it's not happening. To your point, correct. We're just being honest. We're being transparent. And I don't know, maybe because we don't go through, we don't jump through hoops and things to hide those parts of our lives. Mm. Like it makes the things. We had a conversation about rock music the other day. We don't got to get into it. You just know what you know. Yeah. I do have pushback for people, on the other hand of the conversation, who are saying things like, y'all, I'm just trying to earn must bucks. Whatever. Another underrated reason why the rap landscape has changed is that niggas ain't drug dealers no more for real. The youth have progressed to scamming and digital hustling. Dope but music ain't received the same. I Absolutely. Like you're right. But also, nobody has to sell drugs. Nobody has to scam. Nobody has to digital hustle. Okay, all right, so back to reality. Okay. This was a great point because, <laughs> because yes, 
Now you eliminate the need for inventory. You eliminate the, the paper trail, the blah, blah, blah. The youth are smart, okay? And so, no, they're not going to go into the street and give you their $100 every week so that they can go and do active work that you don't want to do. Instead, they're very much eliminating the middleman people. They're not going to become the middleman. But, Sam, I just feel like this tweet is saying something very specific. Yeah. It's saying... Another underrated reason why the laps, the rap landscape has changed. So they're saying they feel like rap isn't the same anymore because people ain't drug dealers no more for real. So I feel like they're saying we need more drug dealers so rap can be good again. Well, two things can be true. Okay. Now, I don't think <laughs> this, that's podcast, what I was saying. this podcast is not going to encourage that behavior. Correct. That's what I Do was I saying. Do I understand the sentiment that the things that people have to go through are different now mm -hmm. and therefore the music is different yes but i also think that the bigger thing is not that reason mm -hmm. it's that anybody can be a rapper now anybody okay. can yeah like you got period ah period poo like don't get me to talking about the rap girlies i really have an attitude about it but i won't say too much anybody <laughs> can go on tiktok enough times and go viral like there's one rapper mm -hmm. that y'all love to death right now that to me i'm sick of it i don't want to hear no more of it i'm not going to say it because what y'all won't do is cancel me i'm safe in my head okay. so i'm gonna keep it there but safe in my head <laughs> sick of it i'm sick of it so i get that well folks um encourage the black men in your life to go to the doctor you know ask the black men in your life are they okay ask them a couple times pay attention to them check in on them um what does he say you can't check what you don't check on mm. so i do think we have to also augment our approach to getting our black men to care about themselves a little less finger wagging and a more continuous connection and checking up on um and being in conversation with and not just non i was gonna say non-men but not just the women or the queer folks surrounding these black men. Black men also check on your black men. Because mm -hmm. they feel much safer when another one of you shows it's okay. So it's not a lot we can thank. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> we can thank Meek Mill for this. We can thank Rick Ross for this. Yes. So we appreciate you brothers for having this conversation and allowing us to have um, a conversation to piggyback off that stuff i hope you guys tap into the interview it is available on the internet to hear more rick ross is not uh <laughs> sponsoring this episode but i do suggest you get hurricanes for somebody close to you because mm -hmm. it might be a great way to connect that's all i've got to say to you guys today what about you sam that's it that's all it. right it's a good one we'll see you next week and mm -hmm. you guys are gonna have to go on the internet and tell obio to come back he won't he won't child he'll be coming home back to them he be like, oh, y'all, come home to your kids. And he'd be like, ignore. So he's probably never coming back to us. That's it. Good night, guys. Is there a heart? Is there a heart in the house tonight? Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> this is this part for me. <laughs> <laughs>